to the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast. We've got a slightly different format today. We've brought Anth onto the show. He recorded an episode with me back in February of 2019, where we we chatted in episode 34 around his experience being an entrepreneur at being just after being an entrepreneur and running his own business. And today we're using a slightly different format where Anf is chatting with Tyler, who is a content marketing and video guy about all things related to content marketing and video, as well as things that we've implemented at Bean Ninjas. And we'll be trying this format in future episodes because we've got some really talented people at Bean Ninjas who can give a different perspective to what I can share on the podcast. And so we'll be having Anth, Wayne, and potentially other Bean Ninjas team members running interviews and sharing their perspectives on different things that they're working on in the business. So Anth, great to have you on the show. Welcome. Yeah, no, I'm glad to be here, Meryl. And it's funny, so often we record these videos remotely, but here we are today recording in an office on the Gold Coast. It's fun to do it in person. Absolutely. Just because you run a distributed team doesn't mean you have to always be, you know, somewhere else. (laughs) And we were chatting before we started recording and we're talking a little bit about your experience being an entrepreneur at at B-Ninjas and decided that's fodder for a whole other episode. So we're going to sit down and record that later on. But let's get back to the purpose of today's episode. And let's start with why you thought it would be interesting to bring Tyler onto the show with Tyler being a contractor of B-Ninjas and also why you thought it would be helpful for or why you made a decision as the marketing manager at B-Ninjas to work with Tyler. Yeah, so I had been following Tyler's journey I suppose for a number of years, he was the former marketing or content manager at Thinkific, which is you know online learning platform and e-learning platform. And the content they were producing was tremendous. They were running a lot of online summits. They were bringing on some really big influences and whatnot. So when he left the company, I was quite interested in what he would do next. I didn't know at the time, but he actually has two kids and he just had a baby the week before we recorded. And so we kind of jumped into what it's like trying to launch a new company whilst you're also having a baby. You've had that experience because <laughs> you try to grow being in this whilst having Ava, you know, and then getting to a point where you are sort of replacing your job income, you know, as an entrepreneur. And so that was one thing that I was quite keen to talk to him about. But also Tyler had presented us with an opportunity to actually work with his agency to actually help us with our video content as well as Facebook ads, which were two things that we had on the, on the radar but didn't really have the capacity or the opportunity to dive into. And I felt this was an opportunity to actually fill a gap in terms of our capacity and our experience within our own team. And just so happened that we were you know, preparing our course launch and Tyler basically came to us and said, hey, you know, why don't we look at collaborating? And, and that's what happened. So in this episode, we do talk about some of the results of that campaign and, and what we've already been working with in terms of using his team to build out our content. And that, I remember when we started, you had the idea of doing video, but didn't really have a framework on how to execute that. And that's what Chuck and Tyler were able to bring to us. And then you had a whole day or two days of just sitting down. We mapped out the plan and then you recorded it you know, the videos, and then they went out and did their magic on it. So what was your experience working with those guys? 
It was great. As, as you said, I've been wanting to do video for quite a long time, a couple of years, I'd say, but I didn't quite know how to tackle it. And so having a framework and having someone guide us through the process of figuring out what we were trying to achieve with these videos, how we created videos that had an impact and different styles of content that we should be creating, not eight videos that are all with a similar message. That was really helpful. And then also recording with Chuck and having him there while I was recording, giving me feedback, making sure that the room looked good, the lighting was right, the audio was good. So helping from a technical perspective too. And it's amazing that you can do these things remotely these days. That was really helpful. And I mean, it could have taken another year for, for <laughs> us to get it done if we were trying to do it ourselves. So I was really appreciative that we had that opportunity. Yeah. So that's what we sort of go through in this episode with Tyler. A couple of the things we talked about was juggling entrepreneurship with family, how marketing changes when the size of the company changes. So he went from being, he was the only marketing person in the company to then within like 18 months, the team was up to like 10 people or something ridiculous. And he felt he was no longer required in the role. Uh, That's when he made the decision to leave. That's a spoiler alert, by the way. Uh, And then the biggest insight for when anyone listening to this is actually he talks us through the steps on how to actually build a video marketing strategy, and that's really powerful. So really excited to share this with everyone listening. Yeah, can't wait to check out the interview. Thanks, Ed. Thank you. Welcome to the Bean Ninjas podcast. This is Anthony Chansomuth, marketing coordinator, and uh, Meryl's not the one interviewing today because uh, we figured that for this particular guest, I might enjoy geeking out with him on all things content, and uh, so that's why I'm here. and. I wanted to welcome Tyler Basu to the show. Welcome, Tyler. Thank you, sir. Pleasure to be here. And uh, I'm excited to geek out with you. This will be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So just a bit of background. So Tyler is a content strategist that specializes in helping personal brands and online entrepreneurs scale their business, a lot like Bean Ninjas. He's the co-founder of Influencer Studio, a marketing agency that offers done-for-you content marketing and webinar presentation development services for entrepreneurs. He's also the publisher of Lifestyle Business Magazine and Podcast, an online publication dedicated to helping entrepreneurs learn how to build a life and business on their own terms. Amazing stuff. Content, uh, the, the stuff that's coming out of Influencer Studio is amazing. And we've been actually working with Tyler and Chuck, his co-founder and partner, on our own uh, video marketing strategy. And so we're going to jump into that in this particular interview. So our topic today for you, you listening is the ultimate video content strategy to increase your influence and income online. So are you ready to uh, get into that, Tyler? Yes, sir. Let's jump in. Okay. So before we uh, go on to the, the, the how, let's talk about your transition because you, I think a year ago or maybe even less time, uh, you were working for one of the largest online education platforms companies in the world. That's right. Yeah. I spent uh, three years at Thinkific as their content manager. We had some really good growth in that three years. It flew by, to be honest. It, it felt like no week was the same. I don't know if you've ever been inside of a startup, or I guess you are part of one now. So <laughs> you know that uh, it's not the same as working in a big company where almost nothing changes day to day. At Thinkific, we were on our toes every day for three years. I came in there as when I started, I was the second marketer that they hired. My buddy Sid was their head of growth. And then by the time I left, they had, I think it was 80 full-time employees across the whole company. Wow. That's tremendous growth. So being that you're in there in the marketing department, how did that sort of rapid growth affect 
the strategy or, or the way you went about um, delivering content? Did that shift much or was it pretty much the same game plan from the, the first time you walked in? Yeah, so uh, it shifted a big time and it was a lot of trial and error because when they, when they hired me, I had been a content creator and I had just left real estate to focus on it full time, like probably six months before I started working for Thinkific. So I had been doing it as a hobby. I had done blogs, I had done podcasts, I had done webinars, and I had even an online course of my own before I started working there. So that was that stuff helped me get the job. But once I got the job, there was no manual for me to follow of like, here's how we do content marketing here. It was like, here's our goal. Can you figure out how content marketing can get us to this goal? <laughs> uh, and I was like, okay, sure. So yeah, I, I just dove in. I bought every damn course and listened to every podcast and read every book on content marketing, went to a bunch of conferences and just really immersed myself in it. And so that first year was mostly focused on growing the blog in the first year. But by year two, we added YouTube and, and webinars and, and online courses. And by year three, we had done articles, interviews, case studies, webinars, courses, worksheets, guides, checklists, like uh, probably a dozen different types of content. I think I personally published about 500 pieces of content by the time I left. And that whole time that we were there, there was no sales team. So all of the customers came in through some form of content or partnerships or word of mouth. So that's really fascinating. I assume there was support from senior management, if you even call, call it that, so the leadership team around investing in a content strategy as opposed to going out and getting hiring a salesperson to come in and just sell. So yeah, I'm curious about that decision because one challenge sort of we're facing within Beninja, for example, is, yeah, you know, there's a lot of our sales comes from direct response, right? Like just going out to specific people and individuals, companies that we want to work with and building those relationships. But as you know, that takes a lot of time. Sometimes there's multiple interviews or, or conversations and you know, proposals going out and things like this. Content also takes time, right? So content is, you know, you can't, put, you can't assume you put a video up today and tomorrow you've got a sale or, or whatever. So it's, it's, Interesting decision, or I just wanted to understand, yeah, what was the rationale around, hey, let's go all in on content and you being the one leading it have to present some kind of business case to the business to say, this is the way to go. Yeah. So um, in the time that I was there, the target market was was uh, the smaller businesses, personal brands, coaches, consultants. We weren't intentionally going after big companies as clients. So the enterprise side of Thinkific, which exists now, um, they, they just launched it this year and it's called Thinkific Plus. They are purposely going after these big organizations like banks and universities that are providing training to thousands and even tens of thousands of people all at once. But we started going, when I was there, the, the goal was let's get some entrepreneurs creating courses on our platform. And so because of that, we just had to get them as far as a free trial from a marketing standpoint. Like if we got them to free trial, the onboarding process would kick in and get them to upgrade. And we would occasionally do webinars where we made an offer on the webinar and we'd skip that free trial process and we got them straight to a paid plan, right? Or the moment they signed up for a free trial, they were invited to the weekly webinar anyway, where they would be offered some bonuses and extra training if they bumped up to a paid plan. So we never actually needed a sales team taking calls to get somebody to a paid plan because it was happening in the onboarding process and through content already, it was when they decided to go after the enterprise clients that have longer sales cycles that now they've got account managers and salespeople taking calls to go after that, that side of the market. 
So yeah, the goal of content just became how can we get, you know, how can we nurture all the prospects that we have? How can we teach people about creating and selling online courses so that our existing customers achieve success? And let's attract some new customers that are thinking about creating a course. And then let's get them to free trial and let's get them on a weekly webinar. And that's what we'll, the, uh, the incentive to upgrade will, will be you know, presented to them. I love it. So let's jump into the, the point of transition when you actually left the company and then you decided to go out on your own. So a lot of our listeners, some of them are in that situation, right? They're working for maybe a corporate, maybe they're working for an agency and they're thinking, oh, one day I'd like to do what Tyler's done and I, I want to go out and, and build my own business and, and live the dream, right? So what were the steps you took to make that happen all the way from planning the transition to landing your first few clients? How did you bring the service offering that you were thinking about doing to market and, and then turning that into something that would replace your income at, at your previous company? Great question. And it, it was a big decision because Thinkific, like, they're an amazing company and they treat their employees very well. Like I was compensated well. There's uh, open vacation policy, work from home policy, all the benefits, right? And I, I have two young kids and a wife that's staying home with our with our newest one, the, our baby who's not even one yet. And so for me to leave a very cushy, comfortable, fast growing company and, you know, it was a big choice to make. And so it wasn't impulsive for sure. It was It was probably six to 12 months in the making from the time where I started to feel like, you know, Thinkific was growing to a point where I no longer got to be a part of a whole bunch of different things because the roles within the company were becoming very specialized. So like when I started and there was no, the marketing team was like two people, we were all doing a little bit of everything. There was, it was kind of a gray area of who was, who actually owned what. But by the time the marketing team was bigger than the company was when I started, everyone ha has their specialty. There's, we're now a lot more process driven. There's systems and processes for everyone's role. And I helped create a lot of those systems and processes that lived inside of the marketing department. And so once all those existed, they didn't really need me to be the one running them all. Like anyone could come in and do that stuff, right? We were able to hire and, and train people and teach them the, the process and they could do that, some of that stuff. So once the learning curve for me personally slowed down a bit and a lot of those processes were in place, I was kind of itching for the next challenge. And so for me, that meant going back to working directly with entrepreneurs and just going, going back through the cycle again of, starting from scratch and building systems and processes and but this time for my own business uh, instead of inside somebody else's. So that was like the motive behind why I started planning to to resign. And again, it was a 6 to 12 months process. One of the first steps I did was jump on calls with other entrepreneurs and ask them like what sorts of challenges were they facing? What kind of things could we help them with? You know, Thinkific's customers were were always asking for help that was beyond the scope of customer support. So anytime they would, you know, ask for help with marketing their courses, you know, I could create some content to try to train them and teach them how to do it. But there was all these, this, this chunk of people that said, well, I just want to hire somebody to do it. And once enough people, you know, asked for that, I said, you know what, maybe there's, maybe there's an opportunity here where to not just teach everyone about marketing, but actually just go and actually do it for them as a service provider. So I started, um, yeah, taking calls with potential clients, honed in on, on one particular offer. The first offer I sold before I quit was setting up somebody's webinar funnel. Did those a few times. And then earlier this year, created a second one, which was the done for you content marketing. Because anybody that had a, a webinar funnel or a sales funnel of some kind, their next 
challenge to solve was how do I get some traffic into this? So I created the other service to help them actually drive the awareness and the leads that will fill their funnel in the in the first place. So yeah, it was just me, you know, jumping on the phone, talking to people, finding a need, and then putting together proposals, you know, selling stuff, but selling a service before I actually had created it. And then, you know, getting the first clients before committing to it. And then once I felt like, okay, I've honed in on an offer here that people are willing to pay for. I've got a couple of clients. There's proof that there's demand for this. Then I was more, I felt less risky resigning and jumping into it full time. That's amazing. And and I want to just remind people listening to this that you're also a dad and you've got your wife and you've got your two kids and you were a baby on the way. So congrats on the child and the new baby as well. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's uh, incredible because I know how much like effort is required to, to make all that work, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. It hasn't been a whole lot of sleep the last uh, few years, but it's been fun. It's been good. All right. So that was fantastic. Okay, so you had left the company. You got your, your business started. You did some initial validation. Uh, when did your co-founder come into the picture? He came into the picture before I left, before I left Thinkific. He was one of the people I booked a call with you know, to just to check in with him, see what he was up to. And then we went and grabbed lunch together. And uh, I told him about, hey, I've got this idea for, you know, offering content creation and content marketing for entrepreneurs. And he's somebody who's running a coaching company for entrepreneurs, helping them start their business. And he was getting asked for that by his clients all the time. And so he just he, he loved the idea of, of doing something together. And so, yeah, we, t- we tackled it together. And so I'm more of like the sales and marketing guy. And he manages our fulfillment team. And he's been the one hiring and training the fulfillment team to uh, actually do the work for our clients. And I, I just stay focused on my sweet spot of creating content, creating partnerships and jumping on calls with potential clients. So you guys are like the textbook. Have you done the, the rocket fuel assessment? So you're like the visionary and he's the integrator. No. Yeah. So there's this concept, which is for, for any business, you, you really need two two types of personalities, right? You need the, the, the visionary, the one who's like, the, like a sales marketing person. Yep. And then who can share the vision with the clients uh, and the team. And then you need the integrator, who's the one who actually builds the systems, the team makes sure everything's delivered properly. Yep. Uh, and so that's kind of, yeah, it's interesting how, how you've, you've created that. I can totally geek out on like building SOPs and checklists. And, you know, I live in a sauna and I created processes for every type of content. And so, we worked on creating that stuff together and then he's the one that like runs it, you know, and, and delegates it to, to other people. Plus he's, he's been in business longer than I have. Like he's worked at, you know, he, he's run multiple businesses and he's worked as a marketing manager inside of bigger businesses as well. And so he has definitely more experience on the operations and recruiting and training and managing people side of things. I have more experience when it actually comes to content creation and content marketing. So it worked out really well. We have, we're both bringing important skill sets to the table that complement each other very well. That's amazing. That's how Bean Ninjas was started as well. There's two co-founders and then they built you know, the, the business together and then one sort of left and went to do his own thing. But that's, uh, it's amazing to see that transition. Okay. So now, now you've got this all going. Let's jump into what is a really hot topic. And I saw that in your Facebook group recently, you did a video on this, which is the idea of content marketing goals and metrics worth tracking. Working with you know, small businesses and entrepreneurs and coaches and consultants and those type of clients that you work with, what challenges do you see they face when it comes to metrics around marketing and content specifically? Yeah, one is having been misled in terms of what metrics to focus on. 
I see a lot of people all hung up on the size of their audience and they want more traffic, they want more views, they want more attention. So I like to point out to people that attention is a vanity metric if it's not the right target audience. I mean, there was a few weeks back, I saw a headline on Fox News website that some Instagram influencer that had like 2 million something followers couldn't sell t-shirts. It's like they couldn't sell 36 t-shirts, I think was the number to more than 2 million followers. So what's their problem there? That's somebody that would like focused on growing an audience that was not actually the audience that buys t-shirts. And so if your goal is selling t-shirts, it doesn't do you any good to have these followers that don't care to buy t-shirts, right? So I think if, if you're just focusing on audience size as a metric, there is a risk there that you're focusing on a vanity metric if it's not the right audience for you, if they're not an ideal client for you, if they're not even interested in whatever your products and services are. So yeah, I believe in getting attention for your business. You know, creating content is great for getting attention, but you could probably do pretty good if, you know, even as little as a thousand people that were really, really targeted knew who you were and followed all your stuff and consumed all your content or even 10,000 people. And it's not super expensive or time consuming to build an audience that big if you're focused on the right audience in the first place. And yeah, you, you might not look like you're this huge influencer online, but have you ever heard that concept of the thousand true fans? Like if, if you can get a thousand people who actually like your stuff and buy your stuff and, you know, recommend you and talk about you and comment and engage and all that stuff, you can move the needle. Like you, you can help create some good growth for a business. So yeah, not, not focusing on audience size is the most important metric, but probably audience relevance, you know, quality over quantity type of stuff. And then there, there are other metrics that trickle from that. Like how, how, many, how many leads are you actually generating? Are people engaging with the content? How many calls are booked in your calendar? Or how many people have visited your, your checkout page or your sales page? Like there's metrics that are further down the funnel, but at the top of the funnel, don't just focus on awareness from a vanity point of view, like focus on it from a, is this actually my target audience I'm getting the attention of point of view. And that's a really good Valid point that you're raising because we are, you know, it's, it's quite pervasive in the sense that a lot of companies or, or small businesses and whatnot uh, are really pushing this idea of an influencer. And we look at someone like a Gary Vee and they have, you know, a million plus followers and you think, wow, that's amazing. But it's really what you're saying there. It's if people aren't actually engaging with you and they're not buying anything from you, like it can lead down a slippery path where you end up having, you know, entrepreneurs buying likes and, and doing things like that, that don't actually result in sort of a, you know, a real ROI or a real benefit to the business. Yeah. Or some people get into content creation thinking that they need a huge audience before they can monetize it all. Like I, I remember a couple of years back, I was at a podcasting conference and I'm in line talking to some other podcaster telling me about his show and the guy's got like over a million downloads on his show. I said, that's freaking awesome. Like, I know how hard it is to get a million people to consume any type of content, let alone a podcast. You know, that's a tough one to grow. And this guy has a million people listening to his show. I said, well, what are you doing for revenue? He's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not monetizing it. I said, well, what do you mean? Like, do you need a bigger audience than a million people before you can monetize? And, but he's thinking in terms of, well, I want to try to get sponsors for my show and put ads on my show. And I'm like, well, do you have any of your own products or services? He says, no. I said, there's the problem. You've built this big audience and you, you don't have anything to offer them that's yours directly. You know, you could have been monetizing when you had 10,000 listeners. If those 10,000 listeners needed your help to solve a certain problem and you had the product or service to help them. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's jump into video because that's something that you guys do really well and, and you're obviously helping us through that as well. And the timing is really, really important because right now, as we know, and, and some of our listeners know, it's video is hot, right? Like it, every platform is pushing live. Uh, you know, LinkedIn just released uh, LinkedIn Live. Everyone's going live, it seems. And video is, we can see based on the research and the view count is, is increasing. The engagement is, is much better. Most of the traffic on the internet is video. If all you did was write blog posts or all you did was host a podcast, you're alienating a, a, a huge segment of your audience that doesn't consume that type of content. But pretty much everyone consumes video. And all of the platforms, you know, you mentioned LinkedIn and Facebook and, and so on, like they want you to put videos there because it keeps people on their platform. It keeps people engaged. Everyone's watching, everyone's watching video. So there's no point fighting that. There's a huge opportunity if uh, you're willing to get in front of a camera and, you know, share your insights on video, then you're riding the trend. You're not fighting against it. So can you help take our listeners through the process of creating a video content strategy, right? So say that they're bought in, they've gone, yes, Tyler, like, this sounds all great, but I don't even know where to start. Like, do I just start, you know, recording videos on my phone and just throwing it up on channels, you know, with whatever comes to my head? Or how can you actually... <laughs> What's the better way to go about it so that, you know, you're laughing because I'm sure you've probably seen people do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I've done that for sure. And so it's, yeah, how do we actually do this so that it is strategic? So it is actually leading to leads and sales and some of those metrics that you've mentioned earlier. Cool. Um, yeah, that's a great question. So there's two paths we can go down because one is if the goal is just frequency and hey, you want to be in front of your audience a lot, you know, you can pull out your phone and be on video a lot. Like you could do it daily. It's not hard. And whatever platforms you're on, if you're going down that road of, hey, you know, I just want to be in front of my audience very, very, very frequently, then I would rotate between, you know, sharing how-to advice, sharing stories, sharing proof of how you've helped people, sharing metaphors, sharing examples, sharing lifestyle posts, sharing things that you believe in, sharing things that you're against, like rotate through the types of content. That's how you can easily be on video every day. Just give your audience a steady diet of these different types of posts. Don't always be sharing educational content. Mix it up. But then for the stuff that is, is more strategic than that, and you want it to be evergreen content and not just live on in an Instagram story for a day and then vanish after that. Like For the stuff that's evergreen and that's meant to become an asset that lives online, that continues to generate traffic and awareness for your business, that's the stuff where you want to be a little bit more strategic in what you're talking about planning those topics so that they align with what your target audience is actually searching for. And so um, I think we took you through this exercise. Chuck might have done it on a call with you, but we've got this worksheet where we take somebody's area of expertise and their ideal client who, you know, who, who's the perfect client for them. And then we map out these topics that are categorized into, you know, frustrations and challenges that their audience has, goals and aspirations that their audience has, and then the actual process that that person would take a client through. You know, if you're a real estate, you know, if you're a realtor and you help somebody buy a house, okay, what's that process of buying a house look like? You break it up into milestones. And so you end up with these three buckets of content ideas. One bucket is the fears and the frustrations. One bucket is the goals and the aspirations and the other is your actual process, your area of expertise. And so we can go through that stuff. And then, you know, for every one of those topics, we want to pick a headline that, uh, Tyler, can we pause for a second? Because I'm, I'm loving what you're laying down here, brother. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's use an example that would relate to our audience here. Okay. Let's say we have an online coach. 
maybe they're in the the wellness space, maybe they're in marketing. I don't know. But let's just say that, let's just say they're a, an online coach. We're gonna start with okay. Well, what do you do? And let's role play it. So you be the guide, and I'll just answer. Assuming that I'm a let's say I'm a business coach. Okay, so let's go from there. Okay, so what's the actual outcome you help a client achieve? Give me give me like one of the outcomes. Let's say. Yeah. So we uh, help our our business coaching clients to double their revenue within 12 months. Double the revenue within 12 months. Okay. And who is the actual target audience? Like, do you have an ideal client? Is it a certain industry or a certain niche or a certain stage of an, of an entrepreneur? Yeah, we typically work with either digital agencies or the founders of digital agencies. They're probably a good one that we work with. Okay. So you help, for the sake of a, you know, a concise elevator pitch, you help agencies double the revenue within 12 months. Okay. How do you do that? What's the actual process that you would walk them through to get from where they are now to doubling the revenue in 12 months? Whatever comes to mind. Sure. So we typically, we run them through, say, a five-step process that helps them clarify the value proposition, what makes them stand out in their market, how they stand out against their competitors, what kind of results they can produce, and then whatever their methodology is that actually helps their clients get those results. Okay, cool. So that, then your process, we're breaking that up into, into these phases or into these milestones. And that's what you work with them on over, over, let's say, a 12-month period, right? So that's the process. And so you can absolutely take bits and pieces of that process and every little piece of that process can become a piece of content for you. But if all you do is publish educational how-to content, hey, here's how you pick your ideal client, or here's how you position your offer, here's how you increase your prices, like these are just all bits and pieces of your process your audience is less likely to pay attention to you unless they know why they should. And so to give them the reason of why they should, you should also create the content that speaks to their motivators. And so you've heard Tony Robbins say people are motivated by both pain and pleasure. That's why I get people to outline, okay, what are the challenges and frustrations? Because that's the pain that they're trying to get away from. And then on the pleasure side of things, what are the goals and the aspirations that you're trying to get to? So in your case, as the business coach with help an agency double their revenue in 12 months, what are the specific challenges and frustrations an agency owner has that's preventing them from increasing the revenue? And what are the goals and aspirations that they you know, are trying to get to that would help them double the revenue? So you, li- you list some of that stuff out, like give me, one, give me one challenge that would come to mind and we'll go from there. So I'm going to put on my, my Bean Ninjas hat on for a moment and we do financial advisory, right? So, so we, we would actually work with them on their, on, on their financials. So we would actually help them understand where they're leaking money out of their revenue. They might be making money, but they're also losing money. So we, we help them identify where are those leaky taps, if you will. Okay. So somebody's got a leaky bucket. They've got more expenses than they should or, or whatever. And so they might not even know how to identify where that leaky bucket is. So a piece of content for you could be, here's how we identify where your business is losing money and how to fix that. You know, that's a topic that would get their attention. And then, so that would be, yeah, that's one topic we can go and, you know, create a video on and we could take that video and we could repurpose it and you can, you know, turn it into a podcast or turn it into an article. But because everyone's consuming video, I say, okay, let's always start with video. And if you want to add repurposing afterwards, we can, you can do that stuff. Awesome. Okay. So, so let me just recap what we've done. We've gone, what's the, the business? Who's the, the client? How does the business support the client? Then what is the, you know, the secret sauce or the, the process that you take the client through? So these are sort of understanding really what the business is all about and, and who it supports. And then from there, we then extract what's your methodology. Also, the reasoning and the logic and the why. You talked about the purpose of the business and not just only focusing on the how-to content. We also need to look at what's actually sort of the pain points 
and the the goals the clients are actually aiming for beyond you know what you might immediately solve. That's something that I know when we did our Be Ninja strategy with you, we looked at you know well what's the purpose of Be Ninjas really, and and you know we're here to to actually help digital entrepreneurs to actually uh, get their financial freedom to get location freedom and these sort of things and and you kind of teased that out of us and said okay well that's the kind of content you really should you should be talking about because if you're only talking about zero and you know how how zero works a lot of people would actually tune out <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Glad, I'm glad you recognize that there may be some people out there that get really really excited to talk about accounting but for everybody else it's just a means to an end like it's the bridge that gets them to where they want to be it's you know and so that that's why you got to create some content that shows them the promised land shows them why this stuff is important that's legendary all right so we got the strategy now and then the next step i remember you took us to was okay well let's work out what are 10 potential videos that you might create based on those topics we did that and then we went and i remember jumping on um meryl jumping on a uh, zoom call or something like that with chuck and he basically talked her through the 10 topics and recorded them in one go or something like that yeah, so that process is, uh, we would call that batch recording. Because most entrepreneurs, you know, they don't have a lot of time for content creation. It's really hard to carve time into their calendar for content creation because there's so many other things pulling at their priority list. And so we found the most effective thing is like, hey, let's block off one or two hours per month and just knock out all of your videos for the month. So if you're doing a video a week, okay, let's knock out four videos in one hour. And then you've got a weekly video for the next month. So that's that's the the process we found works best with entrepreneurs because again, you know, they might be the face of their business, but they're busy r- running a business. You know what I mean? So we can't expect them to be every day creating content, every day creating content. It's better to batch it. Yeah, that's what that's what we did with Meryl. We had her she recorded those videos and now what's happening with you guys is those videos have been published, they're getting promoted. We're building up this audience of people that watch your videos and that's like now low-hanging fruit for you for uh, you could go on and retarget those people that have actually watched your stuff and move them move them along in the marketing funnel, turn them into leads and turn them into buyers. Yeah, we've seen really good results like um just the amount of view time and 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 so we've been publishing the videos on Facebook and Chuck has been awesome just helping us with, I know you did the initial working with us through, okay, well, who, who, let's define the target audience and the level of targeting down to who are they following, what kind of topics they're interested in, demographics, locations, and those sort of things. And then Chuck has been great sort of just giving us updates around what is the performance of those videos going out and, and being boosted. And we are now building an audience. And then over a very short time, you know, we, we're at a point where we can see, and in terms of, a common question that I'm sure you get all that sort of time is, well, how much money should I be putting into running ads? How would you answer that question? Always work backwards from what you're willing to spend to get a client. If you know you're, you take, you know, whatever the average client is worth to you, hypothetically, let's say a client's worth, I don't know, 5,000 bucks, let's say, if you're a service provider or a coach or something, that's pretty, that's pretty reasonable. Um, well, then ask yourself, well, what, would, what amount of money would you be willing to trade to get that client in the first place and still feel like you've got enough to fulfill on your promise to them and pay yourself and have some profit and all that stuff? So you might be willing to, I don't know, spend 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks maybe? You know, 1,000 bucks would be what, like 20% of that client's value? If you decided that that was your client acquisition cost, you work backwards from there of, okay, well, how many people do I actually have to take a call with to get a client? Maybe that number is like four, you know, one out of four calls becomes a client. That's pretty average, you know, win rate on a sales call. So you follow these numbers all the way through. So, you know, at $1,000 to get the client, four calls to get the sale, 
each call is worth 250 bucks. Now you work backwards from there. Okay, how, what can I spend to get a call? You know, how, what percentage of my leads actually book a call? Let's say 10% of your leads book a call. Well, that then, I, you know, I, I should really have a calculator in front of me before I start throwing out these things. <laughs> you're the math guy here. But uh, anyway, you work your way all the way through to like, what can you afford to get a lead? And then now you've, you're starting to get really close to what you can afford to spend to get somebody to consume your content. Because there's going to be conversion rates at every one of these steps. Like, you know, if you're starting at the top of the funnel with, okay, I got, you know, if, if I if I can get a thousand people to watch this video, and of those thousand people that watch those video, a hundred of them, even just ten of them, let's say, become a lead, and out of my ten leads, one books a call, and it takes me four calls to to get a client. Like, there's math that you can follow all the way through. So going back to your question of, well, what do I spend to promote a video or promote my content? Whatever amount is going to get help you get your actual lead goal or or sales goal or revenue goal, and you know some some entrepreneurs get spooked by that of thinking, oh, okay, well, I, you know, I don't, I've got this amount of money now, and so I'm going to make my budget based on that. I say, well, you know, maybe you should, if you set a budget based on your goals, like if you if you tell me you want ten clients next month, there's a there's a number, like there's a budget that will create ten clients next month, and so. Be willing to spend that if that's the goal, like, you know, and the, we, the math is there and it's just a numbers game. There's no need to put emotion into this. Just look at the numbers and work backwards. So I'm okay. If my goal is 10 clients, that's going to require a certain budget. If my goal is five clients, that's a certain budget. Absolutely. And I, I think key takeaway from this, this part of the conversation is really, really understanding what is your cost of acquisition? Like what does it actually cost you to go get a new client? And something that entrepreneurs don't factor in is their time. And, you know, if you're going out and doing networking events every week, for example, and you're spending two or three hours at a networking event, that's time and that's still, there's a cost involved. And so if you looked at, well, if I just ran a Facebook campaign and maybe I worked with, with someone like Tyler to do that and, you know, we were to allocate like a hundred bucks a week or something like that, like you could still get a better result than you would going out networking every week for three months. Yeah. I did one video. I did like a short two minute video where I shared quick exercise for coming up with topic ideas. I boosted that video on Facebook. I spent 600 bucks boosting this video. It reached over 50,000 people. And I think 16,000 of them watched past 10 seconds. And I have a way of starting a video so that there's like a hook in those first 10 seconds, I'm telling them what the video is about. And so they're not going to watch past 10 seconds. If they don't care about that, they'll drop off. That's the reason we always script our videos a certain way. And so anyone that watched beyond 10 seconds, I know that they're at least somewhat interested in what I had to say. And then that gave me an audience for 600 bucks. I had this audience of, of 16,000 people that I, I then ran another ad to, to get people on my email list, gave them a worksheet. Right. And so, yeah, it's like, you compare that versus going to a networking event or spending a day of your time going to a conference or whatever it is that you're doing, like there is a value on your time. And, you know, 600 bucks to reach 16,000 people, that's pretty, that's a pretty good trade-off, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> right? How many conferences and events would you have to go to to reach 16,000 people? I mean, come on, that's like, it's pennies. Well, if you're going to some of these, you know, big, bigger conferences with the big names, you're paying that kind of price for a ticket anyway. Right. That's awesome. All right. So I love what you've taken us through. We've talked about the content strategy, how we sort of map that out. Then we go into promotion of the content. So you, you sort of talked a little bit about repurposing. Uh, can you just give us a practical 
process or some suggestion around how, okay, I've got a video in my, like we just done the video. Maybe we've had some editing done on it. Okay, now, now how do I repurpose that? Like what's something, is it a tool that I use or is it, do I just go and, you know, download the video file and put it everywhere? Like how would you recommend uh, people do that? If you're the entrepreneur, those aren't the tasks you should do yourself, but you can definitely be involved in deciding on what's going to get done and like create the production line, like whatever the production line is. If the production line is, hey, we turn videos, we take our videos and we turn them into podcast episodes. Okay, great. Be a part of creating that process, but don't own that process. Like the tasks involved in that process are tasks that are not worth a huge amount per hour. So you got to, you know, go, go back to knowing the value of your time and protect that. But yeah, sim- simple things you can do. We'll take a video and we'll get it transcribed and give that to a writer so that the writer can create an article for somebody's blog, right? So that's one way we can repurpose a video. A five-minute video generally becomes a 500-word article. Ten-minute video, thousand-word article. So with transcription, are you like, is that a human transcriber or are you using something like somebody's AI one now? I think we started with Rev and then Temi. We like Temi better. T-E-M-I dot com. So we use that to get the transcripts and the caption files because our video editor will take a caption and put the captions into videos so that those when so that those are shared on social and people don't actually have to turn on the audio. They can read the captions. And then the transcript we give to a writer so that they can pull quotes from that. We can create image quotes and where they can go and write an article based on what they've pulled from the transcript. I don't know if you ever tried just like straight copying and pasting a transcript as a blog post, but it doesn't work out very well. The way that it reads is awful. But if you give it to a writer as basically their research resource, a good writer will, will take a transcript and do something good with it. So that's awesome. All right. That's, that's a great tip, Tyler. Thank you. So video, you can transcribe it, give it to a writer. They create a blog post. You can also pull the audio out. That becomes a podcast. You can also do smaller videos or, or you can compile them together and do larger videos. There's many things you can do and you can do PDFs and, and things, but I don't want to overwhelm the listener. There's like half a dozen things. It doesn't mean you have to do all of them. It's just like, how, you know, how, how crazy do you want to get? Do you want to get with this stuff? Sending articles as guest posts too is like, that's a big win. Because uh, for newer sites that don't get a lot of traffic, don't have a lot of authority, like if you're just putting short articles on your site, they're probably not going to rank in search engines anyway. It would be better to like do four videos and then round them up and have a bit nice big 2,000-word guide or 3,000-word guide, put that on your site. But the shorter ones, you can send those as guest posts to big publications, and the, the big publications will, will rank on search engines and get you some traffic. And that's a brilliant strategy. Uh, we, we can go into that one all day, but let's move on. I love that. Uh, pay attention because Tyler's just dropping some amazing, amazing tips here. We're going to wrap up with just a couple of questions here. Tyler, what podcasts or books have really helped you on your journey to understand content and, and, and you know, marketing and small business? The first podcast I really got, I got, really got hooked on was uh, Smart Passive Income, Pat Flynn. This goes back to like 2013, 14. I first started listening to him. More recently though, I've been listening to um, the Traffic and Funnels guys, uh, Smartest Guys in Marketing, I believe is the name of their podcast. Taylor Welch and Chris Evans. Uh, I've been listening to their stuff. And it, it's funny because the first year or so of their podcast, they were talking about marketing and then I feel like they kind of tapped out tactical topics and they started talking more about mindset and scaling and team building and leadership and strategic planning. And that stuff was really, really helpful for me as well. So that's been a good show. As far as books, you asked about books. I like Jay Abraham. I like, uh, I've been reading his stuff. I like Dan Kennedy. I've been reading his stuff. And then there's like 
you know, personal finance and investing books. I've read, I've read a lot of those ones as well. So try to make sure that I'm making smart financial choices. And so they didn't really teach me any of that stuff in school. So I've had to read books for that too. Then they don't really teach that in entrepreneur school either. So <laughs> that's a good one. Um, that's what we're all about. I mean, we, that's why Bean Ninjas is here, right? We're like, we need to teach people how to do this stuff because they pay attention to sales and marketing, but they don't look at their finances too much. Awesome. Uh, love those resources. We'll link to all of those in the show notes. Uh, and this is your final question that we ask all of our guests. What does financial freedom mean to you? Like whatever your number is, whatever the magic number of income that you require to give you the freedom of choice. Once you've got the number that gives you your freedom of choice of how to spend your time, you know, whether it's with family or traveling or only working on certain projects you're really excited about or only taking on clients you really like working with, but not doing things out of obligation because you have to, but doing things because you want to and not having money as your primary motivator for doing that. And the funny thing is like, for most people, that number is not huge. I know for me, it's not huge. Like my household can live off of a pretty nominal budget. You know, the reason I sh- I'm trying to make more than that is to do other stuff, like to reach to reach more people. I'm past the point of being motivated by just by lifestyle because like we actually have everything we need. Now it's just about, well, what extras do we do we want to add to that now? Amazing, amazing. And on a scale of one being nowhere near, near the number you're looking for and 10, where, where do you feel you're sitting right now? So for passive income, I have some real estate, but it's not paid off yet. 20 years from now, when it's paid off, <laughs> then you'll be fine. I'll be fine. Um, so until then, I'm living off of the income I make inside of my business. But any chance I get, I'm, I'm, I'm putting money into real estate. And so that magic number, like, to cover household income, household expenses strictly from passive income, it's under hundred grand a year, which is like three properties would, would do that. Three, three properties being paid off would do that for me. The reason I jump into business is, is to make much more than that and, and then put as much of that money as I can into the passive stuff. I'm sure you, you've experienced this as well, but the online stuff, it's like it's not super passive as some people make it sound to, like it could be. <laughs> like... It's not like, you know, you set it and forget it and you don't think about it. Like, it, you know, it, you got to be on top of whatever you're doing if, if, if you're running an online business. But with real estate, I feel like it, it truly is passive. Like once I put my tenants in my property, it's, I'm collecting a rent check every month. It's pretty nice. In terms of passive income, I advocate for real estate. For earned income or business income, I'm a big fan of entrepreneurship. Yeah. I love the strategy. It's, it's been proven, you know, so, um, and I want everyone listening to this to pay, pay attention to that because it's, you know, the business is a vehicle, but if you're really after financial freedom, you need some kind of investment vehicle like Tyler's got with property to make that happen for you. Tyler, it's been amazing. I wanted to just reference a resource that you've made available for our listeners. It's a content topic ideas worksheet, and there are a bunch of other cool tools on there as well. For you guys listening, you can head over to influenceandscale.com forward slash gifts and also check out Tyler's website, which is influenceandscale.com and you'll be able to connect with Tyler and, and, and the team there. Uh, if you want some help with your marketing and content, obviously these guys are just epic at what they do. Tyler, thanks so much for your time and for sharing us a bunch of gold with us today. All right, well, let's leave it there, everyone. We will say bye. And as always, if you love the show, subscribe, leave us a review. Give some feedback. Also, uh, do a shout out to Tyler on his social media and let us know what you learned from him today because I think that would be uh, helpful (laughs) for him to know. Um, And thanks so much, everybody. See you soon. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Appreciate being on your show.
Thanks for listening to the Be Ninjas podcast. Here are three ways to grow your freedom business faster. Number one, download our free zero small business toolkit. Go to beninjas.com forward slash podcast gift and use our cash flow forecasting template as well as the other resources available. Number two, subscribe to this podcast. Don't miss another episode as we'll be bringing you more inspiring guests, small business finance and zero tips, and also an inside look at how we are growing Bean Ninjas into a global brand. Finally, they say the best way to retain what you learn is to share or teach what you've learned with someone else. So leave a review on iTunes with your key takeaway from this episode. Alternatively, you could also post and share this podcast on social media. Be sure to tag us at Bean Ninjas or use hashtag Bean Ninjas on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. This will help us to grow our community and help even more small business owners to create freedom through stress-free finances. So once again, download, subscribe, and share. That link again, beninjas.com forward slash podcast gift. Catch you on the next episode.